All right, guys, let's roll. So th- my son, Aiden, and Major, they both play on football teams, guys. And you know, this is the best time of the year. If you're a sports fan, especially football, like I'm one of those, a couple years ago, I cut the cable, right? I ain't had cable TV in years, probably seven or eight years. But every year around August, I sign up for a live TV package through some provider so I can do what? You guessed it, watch live football. I don't have time to watch TV during the year. Uh, so I don't need it. Not live, but on Saturdays, on, on, on Fridays during the week for high school. And then when my boys playing, I'm watching live football from about August to about February when the Super Bowl ends. And so for a lot of you, a lot of people, it's their favorite time of the year, right? And, and with this in mind, today we're going to take a moment to reflect on the essence of what football is. Football is about obedience. It's about diligence. It's about unity. It's about deriving insights, right, from, from different plays and coaches and players. So we're going to use the game that so many people cherish tonight as our example of what God, how God wants us to execute his playbook. And so, so the title of tonight's message is Run the Play, Executing God's Playbook. And see, I, I played football growing up. I got a got a couple scars to show from all the injuries and things. But praise God, I, I'm, I'm healthy and I'm whole. But but football is an amazing sport. And, and as I coach, help coach Aiden's team, one of the things that we constantly talk about to the boys is relating football to life. All right. And, and what we want to do tonight is make it very plain that God is the perfect coach. And for us to experience the victory that he has for us, we have to be willing to run the play that he calls. Because sometimes when I'm coaching, yesterday I was coaching our B team and I called the play and the kids, and we got a couple of kids that's kind of vocal. They're like, no, 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 we don't want to run that play. And I'm like, well, you are not the one in charge. I'm the one in charge. You don't pick the plays we run. I pick the plays we run, right? You're 10 years old, all right? I'm a 40-year-old grown man. So when I tell you we're running still a right sweep, that's what we're running. But so many times we act just like those 10-year-olds. God tells you to take the job or God tells you not to take the job. God tells you to save the money or God tells you it's okay to spend the money. But instead of running the play that God told you to run, you find yourself calling an audible. You find yourself doing the thing that you wanted to do instead of the thing that God called you to do, right? And so we got to understand that God is undefeated. He is a coach that has won the championship every single year through eternity, right? So that's who we got coaching us. So no matter how much experience we have, whether we're 20, whether we're 30, whether we're 40 or 80, no amount of experience that we have on earth compares to the experience God has in coaching us to victory. Y'all can say amen right there, all right? So here's our first scripture for tonight. All right. It's Philippians 3 and 14. It's our core scripture for tonight. It says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is a reminder to us to run the race of life with perseverance, with determination, keeping our eyes fixed where? on the ultimate prize, which is eternity with our Savior. And so we understand that, yes, the heavenly prize is eternity with Christ Jesus, right? We get that. We understand that that's a victory that we will receive. But God says that I have come so that you may have life and life more abundantly and that we will experience some things in this lifetime on this side of heaven. And so I want you to know that you have victory right now. Whether you experience the victory determines on how well you play the game. So tell your, ask yourself, self, 
Am I running the plays God want me to, or have I been calling some audibles lately? Am I doing the things that God needs from me, or am I doing the things I feel like would be sufficient for victory, right? You got to understand that there is no team in the United States, I hope, that suits up with an expectation to lose the game. Any of y'all ever play sports and you went all out your way with an Oh, I'm going to get up. I'm going to put on these cleats. I'm going to put on these pads. I'm going to go out here and I expect to lose. Nobody does that, right? You doing this work because you want victory. And here's the thing, guys. Victory is already guaranteed for you in Christ Jesus. But you got to be willing to receive it the way that he has for you by running the plays. And one quick example, if I'm the quarterback, if coach says the quarterback and coach said, hey, Ralph, Pastor Ralph, hey, I want you to run a go route, which means that I run straight down the field. He says, after you get 10 yards down the field, I'm going to throw the ball up between you and the sideline, catch it. But if I run, if I get on there and five yards out, I run an in, or dig, then he's going to throw the ball where he said it would be. It's not that Coach Vaughn messed up. I didn't run my route. Ask yourself, am I running the right route? Am I even in the right career? Am I even dating the right man? Am I dating the right woman? Am I saving the money? Am I eating the way God? Are you running the play God wants you to run with your food? Or do your, your belly run you? Does God run you or does your flesh? I don't know how they talking about not eating no meat. I could never. I don't know how you go without coffee. I could never. I don't know how all these folks talking about uh, uh, not having sex. I don't I can't do it. I got a good week in me and I just got to go. Right. Because your flesh ain't trained. And that's the same thing we keep teaching. You lack discipline. And so the same thing I was fussing at the team was like, we're going to go on two, right? Going on two requires you to stay in the same place until you got the indication to move. And see, God has told some of y'all to stay in the same place. He gave you a word. The word was stay on your job. But you're tired of going to that job. You don't like them people at that job. You don't feel like it anymore. So you want to quit, but he ain't gave you the indication yet. The ball hasn't moved. Until that ball moves, you stay in place. And, and so we have to train them, and it takes discipline. When you're tired, it takes discipline to stay in place. When you're exhausted and you don't feel like it and your flesh is crying out and wanting to do what it wants to do. It takes discipline to stay in place. Yeah, type in the notes. It takes discipline. See, if I'm going to run the play that God desires for me to run, if I'm going to execute the Father's playbook, it requires discipline. Right? And so, we got to understand that we, 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 we live for the winning as coach in history and all eternity. And if we just listen to him, he'll lead us to victory. He will lead us to victory. So as we navigate through tonight, let's be reflective on our own efforts, right? Let's think about ourselves. I tell my, my players, I love coaching the 10-year-olds 10, 10 because they really help you understand. They, they quick to judge other folks. Ooh, Aiden did snap Aiden play center and defensive uh, uh, line. Ooh, Aiden didn't snap the ball right. Aiden didn't do this. Or, or, or somebody else said they didn't do that. I'm like, what did you do wrong? Worry about your own self, right? Over there in Matthew 7 and 7. Y'all can go read it. Take, take care of that, that your own issues. And so as we navigate through tonight, I want you to reflect on yourself and how you are applying or executing the play that God has called you to execute, or are you calling audibles, all right? That's the question tonight. Am I executing 
with perfection what God has called me to execute or am I calling audibles? All right. So let's jump into the meat of tonight. Number one, understanding the playbook. The first thing I got to do to execute the will of God is I got to understand the playbook. In football, every team has a playbook. A detailed plan of strategies crafted with wisdom and foresight. This playbook is similar to the Bible, God's living word, right? Providing us with strategies for living a victorious life. So the first thing you got to do is know the playbook. So you can't even execute a play if you don't know a playbook. Last night we were practicing and one of the kids just said, coach, give me the ball. Give me the ball. I want to pass. Give me the ball. I said, sure. I pass you the ball. I said, get in the formation. Conway Steelers right. Get in formation. I give you the ball. He couldn't get in formation. He didn't know the playbook. It it wasn't that I didn't want him to have the ball. It wasn't that he didn't want to have the ball. The issue was he didn't spend time to know the playbook in order to get in the position to receive the ball. Pastor Ralph, what you saying? It's not that you don't want to be wealthy. It's not that God doesn't want you to be wealthy. It's the fact that you haven't spent enough time understanding what the word of God says about becoming wealthy. That's the issue. It's not that God doesn't want you healed. And it's not that you don't want to be healed. The problem occurs is when you don't know the playbook concerning how to manifest healing. It's not that God wants your marriage broke. And it's not that you want your marriage broke. But the problem is, is you refuse to learn the playbook on how to navigate successful relationships. And so what we got to understand is James 1 and 22 says it so very well. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if I'm going to run the play, if I'm going to execute the playbook of God, if I'm going to experience the victory that the championship coach uh, is able to cause me to experience, then I got to be able to run the play. James advises us to not be just hearers of the word, but we got to be doers also. So you can't be the one yapping from the sideline and your pants are as white as the day they came out of Academy Sports because you ain't ever touched the field, but you got all the skills and you can talk about everybody and how everybody messing up because they ain't doing it right, but maybe at least they trying to execute. But you over there talking and you ain't even graced the field this year. You ain't even, I mean, the only thing you've done is drunk up everybody's Gatorade on the side, but you got, you're the most vocal person about how somebody else's faith isn't working, how somebody else isn't doing what they need to do. But we got to understand that we're going to receive what God has for us is that we got to be willing, not just to hear what Pastor Edwin and Pastor Shana has to say, not just to hear what Pastor Nietzsche and Pastor Chandra teaches us, but we got to be willing to execute. We tell our players all the time, it ain't the coach's fault that you missed that tackle. We went over tackling at least 45 minutes every time we practice. What the problem is, you not executing. It ain't God's fault you broke. It ain't God's fault you're sick. It ain't God's fault it isn't working. The problem is, Life happens, and sometimes you meet a, uh, you get sucker punch, and it's sometimes we are our own worst enemy. It ain't. Have you ever heard a coach say, "Man, we should have won that game. We beat ourselves." Coach, coach, coach Vaughn nodding. He coaches track. It ain't that you couldn't have beat everybody in that race. You beat yourself. You didn't get out the blocks fast enough. So many times we're beating ourselves because we're just simply not learning the playbook. We're not taking time to learn the word of God so that when situations arise, we're not overwhelmed by what we hear. We're not overwhelmed by what we see, but we go back to our playbook and we stay consistent to run the plays that God has called us. So number one, understand the playbook. Number two, you got to have unity and teamwork. 
See, you ain't going to win all by yourself. It takes unity and teamwork. Successful football teams operate like a weld or machine. Each player works in harmony with the other player, unified in purpose and spirit. See, what happens is everybody can't be a pastor. Everybody can't be the worship leader. Everybody can't be valley on the keys. You know, everybody can't be the greeter. Everybody can't be uh, part of the fivefold ministry. But say this, say every job's important. Every job is important. There is no job that's not important because it's so many kids on the team. Well, I had a kid yesterday. I don't want to be play this position. I want to play another position. And this is what I want y'all to understand. I'll put this quote in here. The desire to win without the willingness to be flexible in your approach results in failure. A desire to win without a willingness to be flexible will result uh, result in failure will result in failure what do you mean Ralph that means that at some point you got to be humble enough to hear God and play the position he's called you to play for this time I remember when I first came to FOC I wasn't no pastor honestly if y'all want to know the truth Never had a desire to be a pastor. But what I did see is that we ate cookies after church over there on Westwood. And after we ate them cookies, there would be crumbs on the floor. People would leave and then push their chairs in. So you know what FOC needed at that time? We weren't even FOC then. We was Abundant Life Christian Fellowship at that point. You know what they needed? They needed somebody to pick up a broom and sweep up cookie crumbs so that we didn't have ants in our church. They needed somebody to push chairs up so that things were neat. They needed somebody to wipe the tables down so there wasn't sticky stuff that attracted flies and stuff. So you, I was willing to play the position that was needed at that point. And so, so many people feel like they are above what we quote as not worthy positions. But what you will find out is that in those positions, we begin to manifest consistency. In those positions, God grow up your character. In those positions, he grow you up in maturity. In those positions, the people in charge see how you contribute. Because look, ain't nobody just walking in doing things. Your manager ain't promoted you because you ain't taking care of what you're doing right now. And so many times it matters. And so it matters. Coach Coach Vaughn don't care about teaching, but you know what Coach Vaughn, I mean, uh, preaching, but what Coach Vaughn does, he teach, he preach, he does ministry every day. Every day he's doing the thing that God called him to do. He's training athletes. He's taking what he's teaching them on the on the track and through athletic and through that and comparing it to the word of God. He's praying with them. He's checking in on them. He's bringing his parents in. He is doing ministry through the thing that God has called him to do. But if everybody wants to be a heart surgeon, then who's going to be the one that who's going to be the therapist that walks people through depression? But if everybody wants to be the therapist, who's going to take care of our teeth when we need a dentist? But if everybody wants to be a dentist, who's going to be the one that uh, advocates in legal uh, authority on behalf of people who need that, right? God has called each one of us to an area, both in the secular world and also in our churches. And if we're willing to play the position that God has given us to play, we present a united front that is harmonious and we're able to produce the victory that God has for us because we move as a unit. See, quarterbacks get all of the attention, right? You know, quarterbacks get all the attention. They're the highest paid people in the NFL. But if you remove any of those five big men from there, if you if just one of the five big men, right? Let's say the, the right guard isn't in position. What do you think happens to the quarterback? He can't do his job. So if, if Chandra and, and, and Pastor Chris and Pastor Nitra and Pastor Sean 
and, and everybody, if we're not pulling our weight, we make it harder on Pastor Edwin. If it's harder on Pastor Edwin, then it's harder on you. So we got to be willing to do our part. Say, I am willing to do my part. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 27 uh, is where you can go find it. And Paul talking about, describes the church as a body with many parts, right? Uh, each part is indispensable and each working harmon harmoniously for the coming goal, which is glorifying God. So number one, if I am going to execute the run the plays that God has for me, I got to understand that I got to know the playbook. Number two, I got to be a team player. All right. There is no victory without knowing the playbook. There is no victory without being a team player. Number three, I have to have discipline and training. Proverbs 12 and 1 says it this way. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Now that's Bible. Don't y'all come for me. I ain't call you stupid. The Bible says stupid. That word stupid is defined as to be without knowledge. But I really like how the Amplify says it. It breaks it down a little bit. It says, whoever loves instruction and correction loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is like a brute beast, stupid and indiscriminating. And so I did you a favor. I looked up the word indiscriminating, just in case you didn't know. In parentheses, it says, without careful judgment. So whoever loves instruction and correction loves knowledge. But who hates reproof? who hates discipline, who hates correction, they're without knowledge. They're without careful judgment. And so what you got to understand is to be great at anything, it requires discipline. It requires training. Do you not think as much as I love that dark, beautiful woman that's probably in our bedroom listening to me teach tonight, you don't think sometimes I just want to tell her how I feel? I do. But you know why I don't do that? Holy Spirit doesn't let me. Discipline. But you know what happens? When I know the playbook, I read my word. When I understand my role as a husband and it's to love my wife like Christ loves the church. And I understand how the Holy Spirit brings correction and discipline. I don't say what I feel. Because saying what I feel will not produce the outcome that God desires for my marriage. And so for a lot of us, we fail to execute the play, we fail to run the play because we lack discipline. A football team, you understand, has to go, go under tr rigorous training and discipline to master the plays. In practice yesterday, we ran the same play for 10 minutes. Can anybody tell me why we ran the same play for 10 minutes? They wasn't getting it right. You're like, God, I'm so tired of having this same text. Every time, every time I come up here, you're asking me for money. Uh, the uh, money, every time, it's like this $100. But every time you fell on it, every time God asks you for $100, you end up making, you end up buying some new perfume. You got your nails done. You got your hair done. Every time God tells you, don't answer the phone call right? you like, I'm so ready to be married, but you ain't holding your singleness. I'm so ready to be in a relationship, but you ain't complete. So you're going to bring something broken to a relationship. And God is trying to say, hey, the moment you run the play, the moment you execute, the moment you, you walk in discipline, the moment you train your spirit, the moment you train your flesh, the moment you train your mind. And see, sometimes in football practice, we do what we call individuals. It's six coaches out there, right? And we got about 22 kids. And so we may be doing a drill, right? And while we're doing this drill, we may observe that one of the players isn't executing they're not they they need a little more training so we may pull them over as a coach and say let me work with you one-on-one -on -one. and see what we got to understand in life is that sometimes god brings us a coach and that coach looks like a therapist that coach looks like a counselor that coach looks like a friend that coach looks like somebody who's overcome addictions that we're currently suffering through. But our unwillingness 
to be coached individually, to be trained, causes us to have an inability to execute or run the play. So I got to be willing to be coached. Say, I'm willing to be coached. I tell Aiden all the time, I say, Aiden, I'm not telling you this because I'm your daddy. I'm telling you because what I see in you. You could be great at football, but son, you got to be coachable. When I tell you, you're not giving it your all, I don't need you to say back to me, but I'm doing the best I can. No, you're not. And see, sometimes, see, that's what a good coach would do for you. you like, God, I'm sorry. you just crying and you praying and your shirt wet and you snotting. You're like, but God, God's like, that ain't your best. But God is so hard. Well, in Philippians, he says, I will give you my spirit both to, for you to do what pleases me and to uh, so you can do what brings me joy and what pleases me. So God said, I ain't concerned about what's hard. You got my spirit. But as long as you rely on your flesh, then it is hard. But when you begin to lean in on the spirit, it becomes much easier. See, here's the thing. When you begin to use all your resources, life becomes easy. So we got people. I had a kid yesterday. He hurt his neck. And I said, because he went in and he tackled with his head down. And we said, hey, did that hurt? He, yeah, he got tears in his eyes. Why do you think that hurt? Because I put my head down. Why? Are you using your resources? What resources? Your shoulder pads. If you hit with your shoulder pads, then it doesn't hurt your neck. If you keep your face up, you won't hurt your neck. And see, so many times we're running head down into situations because we're not following the instructions in which we were coached. See, God told you that Pastor Evan have told us your environment is always working on you. That's what he told us. Your environment is always working on you. So instead of you not going to the club, you go to the club. Now, you know, every time you go to the club, you take a drink. You know, every time you get tipsy, you make poor decisions. You know, every time you make poor decisions, then you end up having a walk of shame that next morning. So how do I fix all of this, right? I just don't go to the club. But you're not using your resources. You're not sitting there thinking about all of those things. Why? Because you're not executing in your discipline and your training. Discipline says, I can't do this because it's going to impact my outcome for victory. I can't eat burgers and drink soda all day because it's going to impact my outcome for victory. I can't sit around and not apply for jobs because it's going to impact my ability to execute and live victorious. I can't argue with my spouse all the time because it's going to cause me not to execute the victory that God has already had for me. I got to be willing to exercise discipline. All right, number four, I got to run this race with endurance. Say, I won't, I, I can't cave in and quit. Hebrews 12 and 1 says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run, let us throw off everything, right, that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In every play, for every position, it looks different. Every play, every position, it looks different. But when every person on that team does what they're supposed to do, it looks beautiful in the outcome. So when we run a dive play, and if you know football, that means the running back gets the ball and goes straight up. The, the line, right? So probably but they may go in between the center and the person beside the center, the guard, but they may go between the guard and the tackle, right? So when they run a dive, they're really running straight forward, right? So the receiver's job are to block the men outside, right? And so as each person comes in, the goal is, so if, I, if the ball is going to my inside, my right side, I am turning my man this way. And if the ball is going to my outside, I am turning my man that way. So when each person, though our duties are different, when each person does their job, we create 
an opportunity for breakthrough. What's the breakthrough? The running back hitting a hole and it's open. See, when you begin to execute what the coach told you to, when you put together each plays, right? You don't think how you don't know how saving the money God told you to save five dollars every week. You don't know how that's positioning you. You don't know how paying that tithe is positioning you. You don't know the fact that God has called you to fast this week. You don't know how that's positioning you. But when all of those positions begin to run and operate, it begins to do what? It creates breakthrough. And so what we got to understand is that when I Tame my environment. I surround myself with such a great cloud of witness, right? When I throw off every distraction and anything that uh, entangles me, then I can run with perseverance. I got to let go of weights that are holding me back. Last night, I told the kid, I was like, hey, look, man, you need to get that off your mind. You ain't getting the ball. I need you on the line. Could you be a running back? Absolutely. But you know what? We got four linemen. Do you want to be the running back that runs the ball when you only got four linemen? No. Why? Tell me why you don't want to do that. Because somebody's not going to be blocked. What's going to happen? I'm going to get hit in the backfield. You're right. So you got to be willing to run with endurance. You got to be willing to play the position God has called you to play. And you got to understand that positions change. You may, God may have called you to Conway. God may have called you to Eastern United States, but he may be calling you to somewhere else now. God changes things, right? He may change it. I got to be willing to run with endurance the thing that God has called me to do. I got to give my 100% every play. My 100%. Do you give your God your 100%? Ask yourself that. Do you give God... You're 100%. No, let's not even be that whole thing. I want you to give 110%. No, baby. Do you give God your 100? Ain't no such thing as 110. I was a math teacher. It sounds good, but it ain't practical. Not in this. Do you give God your 100? Because if you're not giving God your 100, then how do you expect his best outcome? It's simple. If I go to Walmart and I buy a bag of oranges, and the oranges cost $10, and I give them $9, do I walk out the store with oranges? Yes or no? Now, if you walk out, your answer should be no. Let me help y'all. I'm going to be like Jesus on that one. The answer is no, because if you walked out and you went through self-checkout, baby, what you scan? Did you change that barcode? The answer is no, right? Why? Because you can't receive when you're not giving what you're supposed to give to receive it. What did God ask us for? He says, I want you to love me with your whole heart, right? That's what he asked for. He says, I want this mind to be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So he asked for our mind. He told us that we don't even own our body. So he asked us for our body, right? He asked us uh, to be living sacrifices, right? Which is our reasonable service. So what did God ask for? He asked for everything. And when we're willing to give him everything, then in return, he give us everything we ever wanted. But see, you don't trust God, which is number five. See, you if you don't trust the coach, you, you shouldn't play for him. If you can't trust the coach, you shouldn't play for him. Coach Vaughn nodding his head. If you can't trust your coach, you shouldn't play for him. Because in football, you got to understand that that it's like yesterday when I told that kid, like, run this play. Well, no, let's talk about the game. In the game, uh, we had practiced all week a certain play, right? And when we got to the game, the team we were playing was doing something different. So I grabbed the kid because there's two coaches on the field at a time. I grabbed the kid. I moved him. But he's like, this ain't what I practice. I said, but we are in real life right now. We are in the game. I see something that you can't see. Will you just trust me that I am putting you in a position to make a play? See, God is saying, will you trust me, Courtney, that I'm putting you in position to make a play? Will you trust me, Ivy, that I'm putting you in a position to make a play? I know you don't understand, but I got eyes 
in the skybox up there. I am seeing the whole field while you're only seeing a part of it. I got replay on the sidelines. I am seeing everything that happened the last play, and I'm watching the ticks and the and the routines of the enemy, and I am noticing what he has done for generations and generations and generations. I am trying to put you in a position to win, to make a play. But you just saying, God, but my grandma didn't do that. I am trying to put you in position to make a play. But 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 that ain't that ain't the tradition of our family. That's not the tradition of the church. I don't know anybody who's become a millionaire, God. I don't know anybody that's had a good marriage, God. I don't know anybody that's graduated from college, God. But I am trying to put you in position to make a play. You don't got to understand why I'm putting you in that position. You just got to trust your coach. Say that. Say, I trust my coach. I trust my coach. I trust my coach. And it was so cool because I slid the kid over. I backed up. They blew the whistle and he ran smack into the running back. So much so that it startled him. And the only reason he made the tackle is because the guy ran in front of him. But you know what? He was in position. And see, that's what God is trying to do with us. When he gave us the prophecy, right? When he gave us the God and word, he said, hold on to what you've heard this past year, right? He said, don't be afraid of the announcements that will come within the next six months. Remind yourself you are in my hands. He says, prepare. He says, repent. He says, to move away from godless behavior. He says, rejoice, because I will begin to show you the things that will take you from one level of glory to the next level of glory. He says, if you will not forget that it is my love and it is my grace that will call these things to do. He is putting us in position. Because here's the thing, you win in your mind before you ever manifest a winning score on the scoreboard. You win in your mind before the ball, the whistle ever ball uh, blows or the, the ball is ever snapped. You have won in your mind first. And so I got to understand that if I am not willing to win it here, if I am not willing to trust my coach to put me in position, then I will experience failure because I have a refusal to be flexible. I have a refusal to for discipline because I have a refusal to learn the playbook because I have a refusal to be committed. Say this. Say, I can't see the whole field, but God can. I need Valley to come on because I love Valley say that. God can. I, I may not be able to see the whole field. God can. I may not be able to see interest rates. But God can. I may not be able to see what's going to happen in the stock market, what's going to happen in the economy, what's going to happen next year. But God can. And so as long as I trust my coach, he'll always put me in position to experience victory. God can. He can, he can see it. He's already been to the end of eternity and he has come back to today and he will give you the direction that you need to be your best in 2023, to be your best in 2024, to be your best in 2025. Why? Because Pastor Sean told us it will be the seemingly, the seemingly insignificant instructions that will set you up financially for the next seven to 10 years, right? It's that little thing that the coach tells you, hey, you firing off the ball well, but you're wasting steps. Do your feet this way, drive off your planet foot and quit wasting steps. See, seeming, seemingly insignificant, but it, it saves you a split second it allows you to blow past the person that's supposed to be blocking you and get you in the backfield. See, it seems insignificant. I remember being in Texas in around 2005 and me and Pastor Edwin looking at gold and we're like, man, we should buy the gold. We both was like, yeah, I, I feel we should buy the gold. Gold was like 
two to three hundred dollars an ounce. And neither one of us really invested anything in gold. And then we kicked ourselves five years later when gold was sell, selling for fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars an ounce. See, at that time, God was trying to put us in position, but we allowed our ignorance. We allowed the fact that didn't nobody else we know was out there buying gold. I mean, the only thing I knew about gold was somebody buying a gold chain or something growing up at school, right? Uh, my family. But he was trying to put us in position. See, when God gives you a word, instead of saying, I don't know nobody, you spend enough time with the coach say, okay, coach, help me work this out. You want me to buy gold. Where do I buy gold from? You Google it, right? What I mean, how do I do this? Because God will give you ideas. It's not likely, it's possible that somebody may put a million dollars on your doorstep. But most likely what's happening is God is going to use you to create something, a solution to invest in something that's going to position you to get money to bring financial freedom to you and your family and your children's children. But if we're not willing to let, to trust our coach, if we're not willing to get in position, then we end up failing because of our lack of flexibility. Flexibility to do work, to learn something new, to go back to school, I got to be willing. So to run the play effectively, we must trust God. We have to obey his commandments and yield to his guidance at every turn. Here's what I want to tell y'all. Don't argue with the coach. See, I, I, I saw somebody post something today and I was going to comment, but the Lord told me not to. And, and so I didn't. But they had a comment on that. And I don't remember exactly how it read, but it's like the, the devil's always... Uh, uh, causing issue and stuff in your life. And, and I so clearly want to say, it ain't always the devil, it's you. But as long as you think it's the devil, then you won't ever correct your own behavior. See, you arguing with the coach. That's what you're doing. Your argument may be silent, but when, you, when I tell a player to run right and then he runs left, I say, fix it. Run right. And he run left, I say, fix it. And then he run right, I say, get on the sideline. So many of you for in, in, in a term have been benched simply because of your refusal to run the play God's the way God told you to run it. I gotta be willing to run the play the way God wants me to run it. I can't be bothered because. It ain't the position I want to play. I can't be bothered because it's not the thing I want to do. I got to run it the way God wants me to run it. And when I run it the way God wants me to run it, then I'm able to receive what God wants me to receive. Why? I need y'all to type this. I need y'all to type this. All right. Y'all ready? God always calls the right place. See, in the earth, if you've ever been in like a, a football game, you may have recognized the time that a coach might have called a bad timeout or they may have called the wrong play or, or a quarterback may have called the wrong audible. God always calls the right plays. He ain't never called. He ain't never made a bad call. And when you trust God that he can never make a bad call and you trust your coach, it could be 18, it could be all 11 people could be lined up on the same side of the field that God, your coach told you to run that direction. And you need to run that direction anyway, because God knows what he is doing. All right, let's wrap up with number six. You got to remain hopeful and committed in the face of adversity. Or in the words of Deion Sanders, you got to have that dog in you, Right. You got to have that dog in you. And so many, and I, I don't got, for, I, for the lack of time, I don't got time to read the whole scripture, but you can go to Matthew 14, verses 22 through 31. And you know, it's the story of Peter. When he walked on water, God told him to go to the other side. There was a storm. Uh, God was approaching. They thought it was a ghost. Peter was like, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come out on the water. And he came out on the water and he was walking on the water. And uh, as he uh, as he began to observe things, uh, he began to sink. 
And Jesus says in verse 31, this is where we're hanging our hat and in for the night. It says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him. He said, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And see, little, if you look it up, most of us think of size, right? Like, like man, I want a piece of cake. He's like, why are you cutting me that little old piece of cake? Have y'all ever been to a wedding? And then they started cutting them little old pieces of cake. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're like, man, you could have gave me, I mean, you should have just gave me a pedophore. Because the size of this cake right here, I mean, you should have kept that, right? But if you look up that word little, I think it's in the uh, banner said, the word little means of short distance or, or duration. So what, what, what God was, what Jesus was telling Peter, he says, you a little faith, you of short duration faith. Why did you doubt? It wasn't that Peter didn't have faith. What happened was, was Peter looked at some things, right? Peter observed the wind. Peter observed the waves. And though he was physically walking on water, right? Defying the very essence of the law of gravity, by faith, his observance of the things around him shortened the duration of the faith that he exercised. And what the Lord is saying is that it's not that you don't have faith. The problem is you have little faith in the term that you start out hopeful, you start out excited, you start out energetic, you're full of eager and you're engaged, you're running the ball hard, you're playing, you're motivated to win, but then they go up 21-0 on you. Then you get sucker punched by the enemy. Then something shows up that you wasn't expecting, and then you observe what you see. The scoreboard says you down 21-0. And bit by then, like Peter, your faith dwindles. Why? Because it's not that you didn't have faith, but you're allowing what you observe with your earthly eyes to determine if you could win or not. You are allowing, allowing what the job description says to determine whether you can get the job or not. You're determined, uh, relying on your credit score to be determining factor of whether you can get the house or not. You're looking at your bank account and you're saying that my bank account doesn't say that I can buy this car. My bank account doesn't say that I can go on vacation. You a little faith. You started out so strong. You were in church on Sunday confessing this is a year of multiple vacations. I'm going on a vacation every quarter. You was crunk. You was in the pep rally. And you was running off the fumes and the energy of everybody else. But bam, that bank account looked at you. You of little faith. Your faith had no duration, partly because you didn't do number one. You don't understand the playbook. You go back to the playbook, it teaches you the word of God, right? So your faith diminishes. They have little faith because the outcome no longer seems easy or even possible. And so many Christians give up because the outcome does not seem easy or even possible. Go ahead and tap, go ahead and say, neighbor, don't let what you see with your natural eyes distract you from what God has said. Don't let you, don't let what you see with your natural eyes distract you from what God has said. See, God has made some promises. He has made some promises to you. Um, and those promises are yours. And the question of whether you're going to receive it is whether you have faith to endure. See, the Bible, Pastor Evan has taught us that when we're in faith, we can expect five things. We can expect wisdom. We can expect a plan of action. We can expect favor. We can expect strength to endure the change comes. And we can expect miracles if God needs to do it that way, right? 
And so what I got to do is that I can, as a good coach, right, I got to teach my players that that scoreboard at halftime means nothing. You may hear a lot of coaches come back and say it's 0-0. Zero, zero. You may be up 15 points, 20 points, 21 points, 35 points. But it's zero zero. Why? Because when we go back out there, we're gonna whoop them as if we were even. See, some of you let the let the pressure off the devil's neck. So when you get ahead, when you get the job, when you get the house, when your bank account get to 50k, when your savings account get to a hundred, you let the gas off. Baby, we don't let the gas off. Stop letting the gas off. You got to press until you experience the thing that God has for you. And so what you got to understand is that we ain't called Fellowship of Champions for nothing. I love what Pastor Evan said. says, why are your church called the Fellowship of Champions? What, do you, what should it be called? Fellowship of Losers? No. We are champions, and that's how we live. We live like champions. How do champions live? We refuse to cave in. We refuse to quit. We, we, we refuse to let adversity cause us to change our mind. So go ahead and type that. Say, I refuse to let adversity cause me to change my mind. If God said it, it is settled. It. I don't care about the fact that I got a credit score, credit score of 500. I don't care about the fact that I don't got 20% to put down on the house. I don't care about the fact that I don't meet every job qualification that they have listed in this bulletin. God said it, therefore it is mine. Because when the, the facts encounter the word of God, facts change. Fact change. The fact was, I went to the hospital as a fourth grader. The doctors told me my mother was going to die. I went in that little room with that little man in that little black dress-looking uh, dress thing and that little white collar on, and I said, Lord, I don't know where you at or how you live, but all I know is this, is that I believe that you can heal my mama. And me and my brother held hands, and we cried, and we prayed. And you know what? My mom lived for several more decades after that. Because you know what? I didn't quit in adversity. I didn't care how many tubes were coming out of her body. I didn't care what the doctors were saying. All I knew is that I knew I loved God and God loved me enough to give me a mama to stick with me for a little while longer. And see, sometimes what faith looks like is reminding you of your uh what I call your mile markers. See, I got some mile markers in my life. Y'all can get y'all tithes and offerings ready. I got some mile markers in my life. I got some things that I knew that God brought me through. I remember driving down the highway with my lights on late at night, taking one of my uncles to work. And on the way back, I, I, I'm approaching, I'm going down 67 in South Arkansas, and I'm going about 60 miles per hour. And I I am going, and then right there before me is another car sitting parked on the highway with their lights off. I remember swerving, going in a ditch in water, and somehow coming out, and I drove a Mazda 626. Maybe it wasn't a boat, but God may brought me through that. I remember that. I remember when. My little sister was sick and in the hospital in sickle cell as a kid. And I was a teenager. And I prayed and asked God to heal, heal her. And she coming home and she living a good life. I remember that. I remember when me and April wanted this house and we didn't have no money to put down. And we got a house and got money at closing. I remember those. And so when you're facing that adversity, unlike Peter, who began to fall because he observed the storm, you begin to create your own images in your mind. So yeah, the economy may be one way. Yeah, the interest rates may be one way. But I remember a God that brought me through once, and I know that he'll do it again. Yes, God, I remember when. I remember when you paid my rent. I remember when I sold my wedding rings. I remember when I sold that seed. I remember when you brought me out and you delivered me and you healed me. I remember that. And the same God that did it once, you're right, Latonya, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. So don't you cave in and quit. You get some tenacity about yourself. You let that dog, that's the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is that dog. See, there ain't no dog better than the Holy Spirit. He got the tenacity and the fire and, and everything you need to push you through. He got it all. 
So as we understand, and as we wrap up tonight, to run the play and execute the playbook of God, number one, I got to know the playbook. Number two, I got to understand it's going to take teamwork. I got to be flexible. Number three, I got to go to practice. I got to have discipline and training. I got to run this race with endurance. That was number four. Number five, I got to trust God. I got to trust my coach. And then number six, I got to remain hopeful and, excuse me, and committed even in the face of adversity. And if you do those things, guys, we will see the victory that Jesus already paid for on Calvary's, Calvary's cross. It ain't a matter. See, that's the thing about what we're doing. We fighting a fixed fight. So as long as I stay in there, as long as I don't give up, right? As long as I don't faint. Galatians 6 and 9 says like this. And let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, what's going to happen? We're going to reap if we do what? Faint not. So if you don't let adversity beat you up, baby, you're going you gonna to win. If you just keep going back, I ain't going to say your body ain't going to hurt. I ain't going to say you, you ain't going to get some no's along the way. I'm not going to say that your marriage is just going to be part roses and, 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 and smell good all the time. I'm not going to say your kids going to always be obedient. But what I will tell you is this, they're going to line up with the word. If I faint not, it's going to line up with the word. So the enemy is, is trying to wear you out. So that's why those bills show up. He's trying to wear you out. He's trying to cause you to have little faith, the faith that's not willing to endure adversity, the faith that cannot endure tribulation, the faith that cannot endure hardship. I am sticking with God. And y'all go ahead and type that. We done tonight. I'm sticking with God. He's the goat. He's the coat. He's the goat. He really is. God's the goat. He's the goat. He's the most winning, winningest coach to ever play any game. He's the goat. I'm sticking with God. I'm sticking with God. So we're we're at our time. We're a little over our time. So I've enjoyed y'all tonight. I hope I've said something that has has blessed you, guys. I'm telling you, this is our time to win. I don't care nothing about what the economists are saying. I don't care nothing about what interest rates are doing. I don't care anything about any of that. This is our time. FOC, the partners of FOC, the families of FOC, the kids of FOC, this is our time to win right now. Not next year, not later. September the 2013 is our time to win right now. All right. And one way that we guarantee some winning is that we sow seed. What is what kind of seed we sow? We sow the word, which is step number one. Right. But we also sow our money. So on the screen, you have Gillify, Pushplay, Pushpay, Tolly, Texagill and uh, PayPal. Understand PayPal is for our international partners who are international. If you in the United States of America, you ain't international. Don't use PayPal. Use one of them other ones. All right. And so. Make sure that you're not withholding seed this year. I've been tracking my giving. Man, I'm smashing my record from last year, right? I give on Givelify. I go in and I track my uh, giving. I'm like, bet, I'm about to smash. Uh, uh, I think at the end of this quarter, I will have smashed my 2022 record already. Why? Because I am purposing in my heart that I am going to give. I am going to sow. Why? Because I understand that when I do that, then great things happen for me. So many good things will happen for me. I can't wait to tell y'all about a testimony. I'll tell y'all later, but it's going to be good. But you know why things are happening? Because I am committed to God's word and taking care of God's people. Who are God's people? Anybody I'll run into. All right. So make sure you're sewing. All right. Make sure you stay connected by texting F-O-C-I-N-T to the number that's scrolling across the screen. So stay connected. And then if you don't have a church home, I invite you to become a partner at F-O-C. Uh, it's an awesome ministry. I've been rocking with F-O-C since 20, August of 20, 2001. August of 2001, this has been my church. And all I can tell you is this, that my life is forever changed by the word that Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean has taught. All right. Speaking of Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean, all right, I'm going to send something out of Snowy Cookie later on. If you don't know what Snowy Cookie is, all right, 
If you don't know what Snowy Cookie is, hear me. Snow, if you don't know what it is, send me a message on Facebook. I'll invite you to Snowy Cookie. But October is Pastor Appreciation Month. We're going to do something good for our man and woman of God now. Uh, and here's the great thing about it. Whether we got five people or 500, our outcome is going to be what we believe God for. All right. But if you want to be a part of that, go ahead and send me a message. You can send Pastor Chris a message. If you're not friends with me uh, or Pastor Chandra or any of us, say, hey, I want to be a part of Snowy Cookie. All right. And uh, Operation Snowy Cookie is our, our friends and family way of we get together. We take care of our man and woman of God. And we're going to do that in October. So I invite you to become a part of Snowy Cookie. All right. Uh, those are our announcements for tonight. I love you guys. Be blessed. Run the play. Execute the will of God because he's the most winningest coach ever. And even when you don't know, he sees everything. And stay in position the position he puts you in. Be blessed. Have a great night. Bye-bye.